Welcome to Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth, a show about markets, investing, and financial planning. Join us as we cover current events that are in the news and answer top of mind questions from our listeners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. This audio may contain statements that may be deemed as forward-looking. Any such statements are not guarantees of future performance and actual results may differ from those projected. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, tax, or other professional services. Welcome everyone to episode two of Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth. We are back again for another uh, episode and uh, some more information on what's going on in markets, economy, jobs. We've got a lot of stuff to cover today and really our intent with our time together is to update all of you on all of the relevant things that are in the news in the past week or so. Uh, We read a lot. We digest a lot. We have a lot of internal conversations around uh, everything related to finance. And so our hope for this uh, podcast and video is that we can get all this in a digestible form for all of you. So you don't actually have to read all their headlines. So to kick us off, so what's going on? What's in the news this week? And how I'm going to turn it over to you for top of mind items for this week. Yeah, well, thanks, Chris, and again, everyone for listening. We're uh, we're watching basically everything that impacts inflation, uh, whether it's going to sustain or, you know, taper off and, and hopefully go back to normal eventually. Uh, the biggest things that are coming up are jobs, the amount of jobs available versus the amount of job seekers. Uh, we're seeing, we're seeing quite a bit of, uh, trends that are looking positive, but it's still pretty early, but the positive trends, which is unfortunate for people who are losing jobs, but, um, the jobs gap could be shrinking where, where, um, there's two, still about two jobs for available for every job seeker, which should be you know, really flip-flop. So this should be the other way around for uh, relatively sustainable, healthy, um, you know, business margins, things like that. So uh, today, or this morning, actually, we saw, um, you know, the number of jobless claims go up. Mm. Again, bad news for the people that are jobless, but relatively good news for, you know, from the inflation point of view. And we're also seeing, specifically in the tech sector, which you know, has the most impact on us. Uh, tech companies are the first to, to slow down hiring. We're seeing job offers, um, take down open job positions, um, and sometimes laying, laying off or re, you know, reassigning people, um, you know, for today announced they're laying off 8,000 people to focus on electric vehicles. So, so a lot of it is shifting. For now, uh, I don't think we're going to see mass layoffs, hopefully, uh, but we are seeing encouraging signs, uh, which is generally bad news, right? Anyone losing their job is bad. It's just not good. But this is probably a good sign for what the Fed is considering, you know, for <clears throat> for the, the fight against inflation. Just saw on the news yesterday, Google's pausing hiring for the next two weeks. They're reevaluating all the people that they have now. And, you know, potentially that means a reorg. Uh, they did say that any extended offers would not be rescinded, which is good. Cause I know that we've seen that in the news quite a bit in the last handful of weeks. Like, you know, you get an offer, you quit your job and all of a sudden you are jobless. 
that could be, I don't know how much of an impact that has, but that could be a slight uptick in the jobless claims. People that are sort of left um, with in nothing limo, right? due to that. Yeah, yeah. But a number of companies has, have announced that it's not just Google. Uh, Microsoft's come out and said that they're they're slowing and pausing hiring. Uh, Amazon has said the same thing. So uh, Meta has has obviously said that, and they, you know Zuckerberg even came out and said, "Hey, it's going to get tougher around here," which is sort of a way of forcing people out and, and trimming staff. So um, yeah, I mean, big tech is definitely being more conservative now. Uh, you know, given where the economy is. Well, I saw about 40% of uh, recent job switchers are considering switching again. Hmm. I don't know if, uh, I think the last time I mentioned that the, the game of musical chairs is is eventually going to stop and you're going to run out of seats to, to grab. Yeah. And I'm not discouraging, you know, you going after your own well-being and, you know, your family's well-being, but... Um, job switching might be a little bit more tight eventually. Yeah. We're not quite seeing it yet, but I, I would just, I would just be cautious when, if, if you're jumping, uh, industries, jobs, things like that, cause it just might not be as plentiful as it was. You know, and something that's, that's interesting. I mean, the, the word recession has been in the news a ton. I mean, in fact, I wish we could search that and say, how much has the R word been posted in this last handful of weeks. Um, I shared this with you, how, but to share it with our audience, we all got together for a, a team event a couple of weeks ago and we all flew in here to the Seattle area and, and connected. Well, I was taking a shuttle from the hotel back to, to my house here one evening and the driver of the shuttle is this young kid, uh, maybe on college break. Uh, he could drive, so he was at least that old. Um, but, but anyway, we were just chatting. And uh, all of a sudden the conversation turns and he goes, you know, something related to the economy is like, oh yeah, the recession we're about to go into. And I was like, wow, the recession we're about to go into, like, that's, that's a, that's a pretty good prediction. Um, you know, what, tell me more. And he's like, well, it's just so obvious you, know, you can't print money forever. You know, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll turn the economy into recession. And that is definitely an influenced by media comment, right? We all yeah. think that it's going to happen because we're reading about it every single day. And unfortunately we live in a world where bad news travels faster than good news. Um, and you know, we won't know until we're through it. Maybe we're in it now already, but you know, could this be the recession that never happens because everybody thought it was going to happen. And then the opposite happens. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I was going to bring up the point about the media too. Kind of um, the the interest in recession, interest in the economy has definitely gone up for a lot of financial uh, blogs, including ours, and, and yeah. you know, financial media because yeah, recessions in recent memory have been super, super scary, right? Like yeah, yeah, twenty twenty totally. was scary, uh, and uh, two thousand eight was scary, and I'm anecdotally reading comments about people saying this is worse than 2008. Let's, let's just pump the brakes on that. Um, I think there is a lot of, uh, you know, media driven emotions here and we, we've got to actually look at the data and, you know, we, we see high inflation, but, but we still see healthy amounts of spending. Like you can't have a recession when, when people are spending like they are, uh, people in Isn't businesses. Isn't that funny? 
yeah. the, the recession would have to you know, reduce spending. 70% of the U.S. GDP is based on consumer spending. And so if consumers stop spending, uh, not only would that, well, let me back up. If we do actually hit a recession and consumers stop spending, that might be the fastest way to solve our inflation problem. Because one of the reasons why inflation has been so high is because people keep buying stuff. So there's no reason to, to lower prices. There's huge demand for used cars. There's huge demand for new cars. There's huge demand for kind of everything. And so it's okay to, to charge more. So, yeah. well, the, the feeling I get with spending is like, well, let everyone else slow down spending. I'm still going to go on my vacation, still go totally. to Europe, totally. you know, still go to Disneyland, and we'll let everyone else slow down their spending. But if you've been to an airport recently, everyone's traveling. It's busy. It's right. Busy. Yeah. So, so again, unfortunately, they're all contributing to higher prices everywhere. And yeah. that's how we fix things is stop spending. But, Stop spending means we might hit a recession, but again, it's not the American way. As crude as that sounds, I don't think there's a. Yeah, it's a way to. Um, it's very easy to get Americans to spend less. Yeah, well, and if we do, or if we're already in it, that would lower prices faster, right? We talk about this soft landing, hard landing with the Fed, and how the Fed's trying to kind of land the plane nicely, um, and you know, that could take a lot longer to pull inflation down and get things back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, if we were to hit that sooner, gosh, uh, you know, maybe our problems go away faster. So, I, I, you know, we don't know the answer here, but it's, there, there are certainly two outcomes and one of those two will happen and only hindsight in the future will, will let us know what the right thing, you know, what, what yeah, actually yeah. happened. You know, again, take note is who's saying doom and gloom, you know, when things yeah. turn out well, they're, they're going to, right say, to say, oh, I told you so, I, things are great. It's yeah. just, there's no uh, accountability for what uh, these prognosticators say, right? They, they, there's no ownership of it because they could, they just keep tweeting or keep posting and flood content with positive news. And yeah. uh, that, that's essentially what sentiment is, right? They just kind of go with the flow with what the market's doing. But by that time, it's either too late to go defensive or too late to go Offensive, right? Yeah. It, the market's yeah. a lot faster than a lot of people realize. All right. So let's move on. So uh, this starts from Goldman Sachs. So Goldman, uh, this is July 8th. They sent out a, a chart that shows historical bottom. So, you know, where are we, right? What's the median pullback? Uh, where are we as of today? Um, the median pullback uh, in historical bottoms of historical U.S. recessions is 21.6%. Uh, as of June, 2022, when they posted this chart about a week ago, uh, S and P 500 is down about 23.6. So uh, a little bit beyond that. And yes, it's been worse than that. And yes, it's been less than that. But, uh, you know, I think one of the questions is, uh, if there's more bad news, does that actually mean markets continue to go down? Historically speaking, bad news doesn't necessarily dictate market movements. Uh, in fact, for no reason, markets decide to V and go back the other way. Um, you know, it might be dating back a little bit far, but March 9th of 2009 was the bottom of the great financial crisis. There was absolutely no good news that day, that week, that month, even for about six months there. But the market rocketed forward after that day for whatever reason. So uh, this data, I think, helps us say eh, we're down a good amount. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean we've hit bottom, but it does mean that uh, likely things do turn around, you know, here, here at some point into the future. 
Yeah, and again, we, we use the charts not to time the bottom, but just to kind of get context of where, where we were or where we are, right, relative to other points in history, right? Uh, the chart shows 1990, 82, 80, 74, mm-hmm. and anyone who follows uh, market history, those are just recession dates, right, or mm-hmm. have been followed by recession. Um, again, timing the bottom we, it's something we don't recommend. It's something that it's very difficult to do because it requires being able to read the future. And I know exactly zero people who could do that with 100% accuracy. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so a couple of other headlines here. Freight prices are finally coming down. That's a good thing. So supply chain is starting to ease. Cost of shipping goods is coming down. Gas prices have also eased a bit recently here. Uh, but that's all really good news for the future inflation prints that are coming now. Yeah. Well, again, it, it's suddenly costing less or it's costing the normal rate to ship something across the world or, or the United States. Right. So we're seeing, um, early in the year, late 2021, early 2022, where shipping costs have nearly tripled because you know, shipping companies knew that they were in high demand and they, they price their goods or their price their services just to, to react. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to ship everything. Um, it's because retail therapy was a big thing in, in 2021 where we, we, we did have vaccines, but they were still limited supply. Right. How do you vaccinate 330 million people and a third of them mm-hmm. are resistant, like to mm-hmm. getting the vaccine, not resistant to anything. They're just, don't want to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the reopening had been a lot slower than we anticipated, which mm-hmm. could be been a good thing. But what that caused is people staying in and buying, 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 right? Buying couches, buying appliances, buying TVs. And what that's doing is it has an impact on the demand of what Walmart sees, right? Walmart sees Chris wants to buy 10 TVs. We need to order 20 TVs to satiate his demand. Mm-hmm. But that's just Walmart. Look at Costco. Look at Best Buy. Look at Target. They're all doing the same thing because we have this this massive influx of, of demand for specific durable goods. And this this creates a bullwhip effect. So if you imagine like Indiana Jones whipping his bull bullwhip, um, you'll see the that towards the hand, there's small ripple, but as you go towards the end of the, the whip, it, it, it cracks, right? Yep. So the, the first end of the whip is customers. Next is retailers, right? I described Walmart target, but beyond that is manufacturers. The people who put the washer dryers together, right? They're getting orders from not me and you, but they're getting orders from target, Walmart, Costco, in the thousands, hundreds of thousands of orders, right, to satiate this demand that everyone assumes is going to happen in perpetuity, meaning it's Chris is going to buy washers and dryers forever, mm-hmm. and he's going to buy it at a much higher rate than 2019 forever, right? And manufacturers like Whirlpool, GE, um, Samsung are making and producing goods at a much higher level than they're used to. And then going downstream more or upstream in, in their suppliers, you're looking at people who are creating steel, aluminum parts, uh, computer chips, right? Everyone knows what's going on with cars. 
those suppliers, like the raw suppliers, are experiencing probably the biggest effect because all the GEs, all the Samsungs are are over-ordering basically to, to be able to produce the goods to put in target stores to satiate Chris's need to buy and buy and buy. Yeah. What they didn't anticipate though is how much time it takes to build all that and how quickly Chris decides he doesn't want a TV or a washer dryer anymore. He's going to go on vacation. Hmm. So, so that multiply that by millions of people in America. And now we have an over, over inventory problem, right? Uh, my wife went to target and the toy aisle. There's a whole aisle now of uh, 70% off clearance, hmm. right? Uh, toys won't, won't, you know, be measurable in, in, um, inflation because there's such a small dollar item, Yeah. but we're seeing it with toys. We're seeing it with large appliances because these, these stores simply have no room. And if they under order though, we can probably experience another 2021. So the, you have to like moderate this. And I think the issue is, um, over ordering in the first place. And that's why things were so tight and took forever to get. It's yeah. because everyone overordered at the very same time. I, I just got, I sent you a text on this, but a couple weeks ago, I got that Costco booklet, you know, that we all get in the mail that says, here's the things that are coming in on sale. And, and I, I took note to glance through it to see what big items were on sale. And lo and behold, appliances, right? Washers, dryers, cooktops, all these things were hundreds of dollars off. Then you keep kind of flipping and all the normal things were $4 off, $6 off. You know, you can get almonds for $6 off or you can get, you know, power bars or something for a discount. So it's like, okay, you have the normal things and then you have all these big giant things that really take up a ton of space in a Costco, yeah, space. Yeah. but ultimately don't have that great of a, a profitability because of all that space. Uh, you, we've talked in the past of imagine a, a, a pallet of almond butter. Right. Or some sort of a, some sort of a, a your favorite nut butter, right? It's a tight That's jar. Pretty, yeah. It's a tight jar. Yeah. And it might be <laughs> 12 bucks or 15 bucks. And there might be, I don't know, 12 of those per flat. And then think about how many are on a whole pallet. I should have done the math before we jumped on this call, but there's a lot of money sitting on that pallet for no wasted airspace and exchange that with say a washer and a dryer combo that maybe fits on that same pallet. Uh, you know, I have to think there's probably more than 1500 bucks of almond butter sitting on that pallet than there is this, this appliance, right? So, you know, that's the issue that a lot of these retailers are running into and earnings came out then for Target, for Walmart, for Costco. Uh, everybody is saying, and Amazon as well, everybody's saying we have too much expect big discounts. Uh, so if you're in the market for appliances or big things, just wait a little bit. We think they're going to go yeah. on sale. We think wait a couple months and uh, do some price shopping because there's too much and it's you can take advantage of that at a lower price, mind you, which will yeah. maybe help inflation a little bit. Yeah, and we've been challenged on this where, again, we, we understand the experience of going to a Target. There are some empty shelves, mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you look. Like if you're looking at particular home goods, uh, baby formula is a big baby one. Formula. I know, yeah, I know still Chris, you're probably living through this now. Right. There's going to be shortages in the other higher demand or 
the 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 biggest issue is lower supply. Mm-hmm. There's going to you're going to see some empty shelf space. So by us saying this, you know, you have to be careful where you're looking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're suggesting bulky home goods, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what was over order because everyone was remodeling their homes. And guess what? Everyone's leaving their homes to go on vacation. There's the remodeling demand has gone way down. So switching gears a little bit, uh, gas prices are down for 30 straight days or more now. This is this is a week old or so, this article here. So that's good. I don't know if you all have noticed that. Um, if you're anything like me, you have become an exclusive Costco gas fill-up person uh, because now that savings is actually a lot more. So that's yeah. all, all of where I go now. And uh, I was really excited. I filled up I don't know, it's last weekend or something. I, I want to say it was like five oh five a gallon. I was like, oh, awesome! But it was still over seventy dollars to fill the tank. And when it when it got over seventy, it kind of it kind of stung a little bit. So um, I'm still holding out. I'd like to see it under seventy bucks. But hey, last thirty days of declines, it's going the right direction. So that's good news. Yeah, a couple of things with that is um, it's not all great news. Yes, to your pocketbook, but it, there's a reason for lower demand, right? Um, China is is probably going to be in a recession for a while. Uh, they have a zero COVID policy, and China is one of the big world's biggest users of gas. Mm. Um, other transports, right? We saw when we saw shipping is cheaper, right? And because uh, demand for shipping has gone down. Uh, unfortunately, with all the vacationing, we have we have fewer flights available because we have fewer pilots, right? Airlines have been, um, you know, managing this 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 influx as well as retail stores, right? Where they they shed all of their pilots in 2020, only to find that they can't get them all back in 2021 and 2022. Yeah, and we've all read about, you know, canceled flights, canceled connections, and I think they're finally adjusting by simply offering less available routes which lowers demand for oil as well. Cause you're flying less. Mm. You're charging more, but you're probably flying less. Mm-hmm. So all not great um, news. Uh, we still have a war in Russia, Ukraine, where, you know, the world supply of oil is crimped, but it's rerouted, right? Who's buying the Russian oil? It's India, it's China. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of Europe buying, now, I just saw the news. Yeah, Europe they got uh, got a little bit. Got their yeah. pipelines reopened. Yeah. So, but that's because there's oil suppliers from South America and Middle East mm-hmm. and North America. It again, oil's fungible. Russian oil to me is the same as American oil. If you kind of strip out the the humanitarian part of it, but sure, sure. oil's oil, same product. Yeah. 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 So let's talk a little bit about dollar strength. Uh, it was all over the news a handful of days ago that the euro and the dollar have hit parity for the first time in 20 years. So what does it mean? Why is it happening? And why is the dollar so strong right now? Uh, it, well, let's let's go to the math problem of it, where uh, the U.S. Central Bank, the Fed, is the most aggressive in raising rates. So. Simply, if you have U.S. dollars in a bank, you're getting the highest interest return for cash. Like, you know, you're probably going to get 1% from your actual bank. But if you put your money in T-bills, things like that, you're going to get, you know, maybe 3%. And where are you going to get 
any of that in the rest of the world. So a strong dollar. Um, I know some for some of the same prognosticators saying we're in recession, saying the dollar is going to weaken. Uh, the, yeah, they, they were right. If you were looking at a 70 style inflation um, in the seventies, the dollar was extremely weak. Now the dollar is ex- historically strong. The reason why is our central bank has raised rates faster than every other central bank, right? The bank mm-hmm. of uh, the European central bank raised their rates today by um, 0.5%, like half a percent, which is a huge jump. Um, so we might see some of the divergence back to normal, meaning the Euro trades at a relative premium to the dollar, but this is happening because everyone else is re- in, in danger of recession too. And their currency is weakening. And a lot of foreign investors are funneling their, their safe haven assets over to us, our treasuries, right. And our, um, government government debt right which is strengthening the dollar which also has downward pressure on interest rates yes we were talking about this earlier so this is kind of interesting let's say that uh investors are buying 10-year bonds if there's a ton of people that show up to that auction and buy all those bonds the interest required to get that buyer to buy is less because there's so much demand versus if there's one person in the room buying they could just say, nah, I don't want it yet. Nah, I don't want it yet. And the price actually floats up. And so this is sort of a interesting, it's inverse, right? You think, you know, stocks or markets that have a lot of demand that sometimes can push prices up. Um, this is, this is actually the, the opposite of that. Yeah. Higher prices and or higher demand in bonds actually brings the yields down. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're seeing a uh, outsized demand for the 10 year. Uh, we're speaking of the U S treasury here mm-hmm. where there's no credit risk. It's because of that, because the U.S. has never defaulted on its debt. There's, that's why it's considered a global safe haven. And the dollar is strong. And just bringing an example, Microsoft does business overseas. And if they're bringing in revenue in euros, when Microsoft brings in those euros, what do they have to do? They got to convert those euros back to the U.S. dollars. Yeah, That hurts Microsoft as well, because they're having to spend more euros to get relative U S dollars. So strong, the term strong is a kind of a misnomer. Strong doesn't really, really mean you're better or worse off than anyone else. Hmm. It, it just means relative to other currencies, but there's, there's real drawbacks for a strong dollar, right? Hmm. So if you're an exporter and, and I'm manufacturing washer dryers and I need to ship them over to Europe, that European customer has to pay more. They're not, they're probably not going to buy my U.S. based washer dryer because it's more expensive now. Right. So Mm -hmm. this is, this could be recessionary in terms of like the technicality of it, where, um, the more we import, because it's cheaper to import goods now, right. Every other currency is cheaper. So yeah, buy more of everything else, but the reverse stings us too, where if we're exporting goods, it's not good for us because it's more relatively more expensive. And it's actually super. Yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, well, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, it's just it's super interesting that that if you really put together what we've been talking about here, and, and I'm just thinking about it. So we have a stronger dollar, which means countries that are exporting to us 
that's not as good for them. But we have shipping costs that have come down. We have oil costs that have come down. We have supply chain that has kind of eased a little bit. So those those costs have come down. So it's like, I can't help but wonder, since some costs have gone down, but exchange rates have gone the other direction for exporting countries to the U.S., is it still better? Like, does it still net as a better bottom line relative to where it was? I haven't seen that analysis yet. I'm just thinking through our conversation today, but I, uh, that that's got to be interesting on how that math actually works out. Yeah, yeah. There's certain offsets, but we won't know until probably the fourth quarter reporting. Yeah. Of, so we're, we're just now reporting in second quarter. So we won't know the effects of all this, this currency movement for a for quite a few quarters. Yeah, so much of this stuff is lagged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's lagged, right? And, and, and inflation numbers come out, and I was just reading about this. You know, inflation comes out, and it, it printed higher than it, it has, you know, the last time, right? It keeps going up, oh, my God. And, yeah, and then there was a, a counter article that said, well, wait a minute, this is historical data. You know, we're already seeing the housing market cool off. We're seeing homes sit, home prices are coming down. Um, you know, so a lot of, you know, these are actually good things of, of sort of slowing. Um, so, you know, the article was saying, well, is the fed acting too, too quickly? Like, has their job already been done and our price is actually coming down. And I think that's the greatest challenge that, that all the policymakers have is what data, you know, you can't really look at it in real time. Oh, homes are sitting for now two weeks instead of two days. So we did it. We got, you know, we're successful. Like that's not the only barometer. Uh, but at the same time, we feel like things are moving so fast now when you have data that's 30 days or 60 day lag, uh, it feels like it's too slow. Yeah, yeah, the the last inflation reading, right? It was a scary reading, 9.1. Yeah. But that was that was June's reading. Gas prices have crashed in July. So if we're gonna live and die by the fluctuation in gas movement, um, we're, we're gonna expect to see a really low inflation reading in in august mm -hmm. which again inflation didn't go away in august like we, everyone needs to stop focusing on headlines here so interest rates have obviously come up they've come down a little bit recently but that's affected the housing market and uh there was this article that i pulled two apartment buildings sold here in the seattle area one's in issaquah and one's in kirkland uh and get this the one in issaquah sold for an average of seven hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars per unit uh, I don't believe that was a record. I think it was just under the record, uh, which was set in Seattle last year at a building kind of next to where Amazon's headquarters is in South Lake Union. The other building was in Kirkland, uh, just under $600,000 per unit. These are rentals. And so you have to wonder, you know, these investors are buying these buildings, presumably because rents keep going up. And so the thought process is, well, if we can buy this building, even if we're financing it, five or six percent we can bring up rent yeah we can bring up rent and rents have gone up and therefore this is worth that much i'm just alarmed that an apartment is worth seven hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars uh and that you know an investor says i can rent that and make money that's wow yeah i, I have no comparable you know number in my head where is that a lot relative to what we've seen in apartment buildings that size and that you know that location but uh, just broadening it out, like Redfin did just released a report of the, the fastest cooling markets and Seattle's like number five. And here in Sacramento, we're number two. Mm -hmm. And on the top five list that the, the, the commonality between those cities is they're near tech hubs where mm -hmm. have benefited from the tech boom 
And it kind of makes sense, right? If tech is generally slowing down new hiring, there's less people relocating or needing to relocate, uh, at least for a job into that area for now. And, and it's also, and, and Bloomberg reported this, but are we ever going to be out of this housing crisis? We aren't building fast enough. And I had heard this years ago. You know, this was, this was, gosh, it was near the financial crisis. We were, because housing virtually stopped, right? And But just because of the demand of new home buyers and from what we're knocking down just due to old age, uh, we were still creating a shortage based on what we were building. And so it's like, well, are we ever actually going to be out of this? We're still having that problem. We're not building enough for the demand. So yeah, the, you know, housing, housing has slowed, um, but it's not like we're getting to the place where we have an oversupply by any means. Uh, again, we'll just have to see, I mean, none of us have an answer to this, but it's just, it's just interesting. Well, it's a conundrum with housing, right? It, it's slow to rebuild it after the big crash when rates are low, but now rates are high. There's less incentive for home builders because they, yeah. they generally are debt operated, right? They, they operate in cheap debt and yeah. Uh, like mortgage takers, right, who are paying nearly 6%, you know, it, there, there's a common effect to home builders, which is unfortunate. Like this is, I don't think there's an easy way out of this. All right, a couple other things on interest rates, and we'll uh, we'll shift to commodities prices, some good news there, and we'll wrap up. So um, the, the other piece that hit the news recently, Amazon pauses some of the Bellevue Towers as they reevaluate footprint. Head fake or real news? I don't know. We won't know until later on. But my thought is they come out and they say, hey, we're building a ton in Bellevue. The news said that they were reevaluating the design of the buildings because they have more of a flexible work now, you know, maybe they don't need individual offices. They need more like hoteling type style. So they were redoing the design. Um, but they still said they were committed to hiring, you know, as many people, uh, again, head fake as in, we don't need this much space actually. And everybody's going to be at home and sometimes in the office, or is this in fact true that they're just redoing design? Uh, just wanted to point it out. thought it was interesting and, and in the news and affects the greater Seattle area as well. Yeah. Um, next item here. Home uh, uh, individuals have never paid more for cars. Uh, cars are getting more expensive in part because of inflation, but also because of financing. And there's a chart here that shows average monthly car loan payments in 2021. So this goes up a little bit every year, as you would imagine. In 2021, average new car payment, uh, about 575 bucks a month. Average used car payment, about 475 bucks a month. Huh, interesting seems like it'd be less than that. But anyway, just reading what I'm seeing today, average new car payment, almost $700 and average new car payment, almost $550. There are more cars today that are uh, over a thousand a month, 12.7% in fact of cars, according to the Wall Street Journal, are now a thousand dollars a month uh, yeah, in yeah. payment. It seems like everyone's on this, well, again, car sales, it's about 4 million short of what a normal year would be. Normally uh, we'd sell about 17 million cars. Right now it's 13 million. It's not because of lack of demand, right? Uh, Chris just said there's plenty of people willing to pay those high monthly monthly um, car payments. We simply just can't uh, manufacture that many cars now. Yeah. Again, it's, I think the automotive industry um, looks like it's gonna be the slowest to recover from from this uh, 
this supply chain bottleneck because um, it looks like semiconductors are sitting on a bit of a surplus, which is really odd to hear. Oh, interesting. But automakers are still quoting, hey, lack of chips, chips. So who's lying here? Two potentially good news items. Prime Day sales were the biggest ever, at least according to uh, one press release. We'll see the the full numbers when Amazon releases earnings, uh, I believe, later this week. And uh, last piece of good news, Costco is not raising the price of the famous $1.50 hot dog combo. Uh, CEO had one answer to that when asked on the earnings call, will you raise the price due to inflation? And his answer was no. So, hey, good news there. Well, if I'm Costco, I'm probably raising the price of membership and not hot dogs. So, yeah, again, and everything it's like, else it's like on a watch play here. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you have a couple interesting items here on inflation, uh, excuse me, commodities prices, and then uh, average investor returns, which I was alarmed when you, you sent this over to me. And then, uh, and then let's wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Playing on the bullwhip effect, that we're seeing commodities come really, come sharply down. Because all the over-ordering has leveled off or suddenly become under-ordering, right? So we're seeing uh, corn uh, from its peak, you know, down 30%. Uh, copper from its peak down uh, 40, 46%. Uh, coffee. Um, coffee's down 13% year to date. By the way, does uh, anybody ever notice that the price of coffee changes like at Starbucks? Because I definitely don't, even though I hear in the news all the time that coffee prices move around like crazy. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> like you go to the I, store I for notice. other things and it moves, you know, like, oh, something's two ninety nine one week and then it's yeah. three twenty nine. you know, but you know, gas, like perfect example. But you go to Starbucks and the price of the latte is always the same. I don't understand. Anyway, keep yeah, going. Well, it's just, maybe it's just maybe Costco could, should start posting their their coffee prices on like billboards like the gas spot price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or gas, should. coffee, orange juice. Can you imagine if all these things actually moved? Like milk, yeah, you'd have people grabbing it and running up to the to the. Oh, it's cheaper now, you know. <laughs> well, Silly. my Facebook feed would be full of uh, pictures of orange juice and milk prices, like exactly. it is with gas and temperature here. <laughs> All right. So um, expectations. I think expectations are everything. Um, we we have we have a chart from our partners at Into Texas where um, uh, retail investors have an outlook. Right? What do they think they're going to get for performance for over the next few years? Um, and versus financial professionals um, across the globe, actually, this 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 survey measures uh, Argentina all the way up to the UK and the US and everything in between. And uh, the financial professionals across the globe, right? Their, their expected returns are 5% roughly on average. And if we go to their retail investors in all those countries, right? Uh, we're looking at a probably average of 13, 14% returns. So we're, the professionals are saying, hey, Tone down some of the expectations, 5% returns, actually not the worst returns in the world. Like we, we kind of base our, a lot of our plans on, on a lower rate for, for, you know, to be conservative and to build in some buffer here. Investors have just an outsized expectation of returns, right? Cause if everyone's making 15%, you know, that's, that's inflationary, right? And everyone's expectations to to beat the market, to beat their financial professionals. Um, 
you know, you're going to budget off that. You're going to budget off what you think you're going to make, you know, have in 10 years. And if you're unrealistic about your expectations, you're going to overspend now or you're going to undersave now. And that's such a dangerous combination where, you know, you don't get those 10 years back. And if your expectations are out of line with reality, right, um, you're, you're setting yourself up for something you can't take back. If that makes sense. Like it's the FOMO you're, you're, issue, right? Like, oh, yeah. I expected 20%, but I only got 10, ah, that stock over there did 20. So I got to go buy that one. I mean, it's, it's, it, you'd, you'd be cannibalizing your own returns. Yeah. Who cares what the other stock did? Like who cares what the benchmark did? Like, look at your, your own benchmark. What is your financial plan? What's your financial plan say? say? Yeah. We say that all the time. Yeah. And if it says 12% returns year over year. I think you're in trouble. You're not saving enough or you're spending too much. I I was just um, alarmed to see this when people are asked what they think, you know, the market should give them every year, 17 and a half percent here in the U S and, you know, financial professional 6.7. We run our plans at seven, uh, seven and change during working years and then five in retirement. And, uh, yeah, after reading this, I can definitely see when we explain this to, to, to certain folks and it's like, Oh, hum. I can do better than that. Right. And it's like, look, <laughs> I hope you can. Uh, but the reality is if you zoom out long enough, it does about seven, eight, nine ish long-term. And so I think that investors are open for, or, or, uh, uh, going to have a rude awakening here, uh, when the market likely doesn't give them 17 or 18 or 20% for the next number of years, like it has over the last three, we've been in a really unique environment. Yeah, yeah, the first episode is like, um, save as if the worst is going to happen, but be optimistic as if the best is going to happen. This this survey tells me that you're doing the opposite, where if you're getting nearly 20% returns in the U.S. of 17.5 expectation, you're naturally going to save less in today's dollars, Yeah, which is so dangerous for 2030, 2032, because you've wasted prime savings years, right? When the Good market's point. down, you probably want to save more, not expect more from your investments. That's that's just such a dangerous equation. Yeah, like now. I mean, if you look at where the market is today and just draw backwards, you have the opportunity to invest at that price years ago with money that you didn't have years ago because now the money is here today as in paycheck lands and you can invest dollars from that paycheck, right? I mean, I think that's so powerful to just disconnect from the, oh my God, it's down and connect with when you're well diversified long-term, it does go the right direction. And today is essentially a, a, a buying opportunity. And that's not because we know where the bottom is, but it's off the top and that's good. Um, so that's, I think the lesson in all of this is just stick to plan, stay by, keep buying, keep diversified. Um, well, build a proper plan that's relatively conservative, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. in the end, you, you, you beat your plan, that's nothing but icing. But we call that the risk we is like that. if you don't beat your plan, you're in really bad shape. And if you're a 65 year old in bad shape, I, there's not a lot we can do because we can't reverse yeah. time. Yeah. We yeah, lose yeah. all that compounding. Yeah. All right. So final headline is, uh, 70% of Americans think a recession is coming. Are you one of those? Uh, I'd be interested to, to hear, uh, the media has definitely tried to tell us all that's going to happen. And, uh, like I continue to say, we won't know until we know. Um, 
and staying diversified is what will what will get everybody through this. Um, so of course we're proponents of that. But be curious to know. Yeah, be, if, be, be thoughtful about it. Like because if if it's true, you're going to position your spending in your portfolio as if there's a recession. Mm -hmm. And if you're really not, then you probably don't think there's a recession. And and again, we we try to be diversified for that reason because we won't we don't know until after the fact. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Well, this was fun. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, excited yeah. for our next time. We will uh, bring more updated content in the next recording here. And if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out and we will answer them here live on our next recording. 